seated. I appreciate all of you being in the house of the Lord, and I know, as already been said, we welcome all of you that haven't been able to be here for a while and hope that those that can will be able to join us. We are thankful for what the Lord is doing. I know Easter is just a few weeks away, and last year we were not allowed to meet together on Easter, and I'm hoping that the numbers will stay so that that will not be the case this year, but um, we are thankful that uh, the Lord uh, has been with us, and uh, I know there have been many that we've lost and that we've that have been sick, and we are sorry, saddened by that. And yet, those that I know have uh, gone to be with the Lord, we believe that somehow the Lord allowed it and knew it, and uh, that they are uh, they made it to the first church, and that it is not a. Uh, I don't understand why. I probably will never know all those answers. And I've had people say, well, we'll understand it by, better by and by. And that when we get to heaven, we'll understand it. And I'm of the mindset that when we get to heaven, it won't matter. Amen. Amen. It's like we're not going to go, you know, hey, what happened about that? You know, I'm just going to be so glad to be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I just probably will, you know, that won't even be a, a blimp on the, you know, a dot on the mind at all. I won't have any kind of uh, thing there that will uh, say, oh, way back, you know, back, back on earth. Uh, why was that guy so mean to me? Uh, you know, it'll be just, it'll be, it'll all be forgotten and done. But we are thankful we are growing apostolic legacy, apostolic legacy growing and having, we have a great apostolic heritage and a great legacy and we are, we believe in the apostles doctrine and I uh, I know Easter's coming up and probably most of you know uh, these uh, scriptures and know these answers and for those that are may not know them we could spend a week on uh, each uh, subject and we could take a long time but I, I'm going to speak about why blood and then uh, add to that seven times and I I uh, found that in the, in the word of the Lord that Jesus actually shed his blood seven times and we're going to look at that but before I get to the fact that he did shed his blood I thought we ought to at least look at at why the blood was so important and I know uh, this slide I saw was uh, said uh, the sin of humanity demanded the blood of Calvary why why did it demand blood what was it about blood and I know that when um, you know there are our groups and uh, there are uh, clubs and there are uh, I remember uh, me and I don't remember two or three other guys we were in uh, they, we were neighbors and one of them came up with the idea we're going to be blood brothers 
and we all got a, a pen, uh, somebody got a safety pen or some kind of pen, and we all pricked our fingers, and we, uh, you know, we put our blood together. That we, we were going to be all blood brothers. We would always, and that didn't last till I made it to junior high school. Uh, but in kindergarten, we had decided that we were going to be blood brothers. And uh, I, I don't remember whose idea it was, but uh, what's sad is I can't even remember the other two guys' names. <laughs> they probably can't remember mine. <clears throat> and yet, you know, there is that sense of why the blood. And I know there are, you know, sign your name in blood. And, uh, you know, this is my blood. And I know we know now about DNA. And we know about uh, that blood is a signature. And they can figure out whose blood it is. And we've learned a lot in the last 50, 60, 100 years. That, you know, a drop of blood. Is it, is it my blood? Is it someone else's blood? And what was going on? And they can tell you, well, that uh, individual had a heart attack in the last so many weeks or whatever, or they've got this problem or that. It, anyway, so much is in the blood, and I understand that. But one of the first reasons that he used blood was redemption, uh, to redeem, to buy back, to compensate. Uh, it is uh, uh, to pay, uh, to purchase something again, to redeem something. In fact, Leviticus, the first chapter through the seventh chapter, talks about sacrifices. And then it actually said the firstborn were going to have to be given as a sacrifice to God, or you could redeem them. You could purchase them back. You could offer the blood of an animal and therefore you didn't have to sacrifice a child. And so we know from the Old Testament that the Lord was not interested in human sacrifices. But he believed that there was a redemption that had to be necessary. There was something that had to pay for my sins. And I had to have a burnt offering. I had to have a trespass offering. I had to have a peace offering. I had to have a sin offering. If I did something wrong, somebody had to pay. Somebody had to die. And what was so amazing about it, it was very literal. It was very literal. You literally brought your lamb in and you you literally handed it and you watched as that lamb was taken and drawn and quartered and the blood splashed and you knew I'm the reason that lamb had to be slain. It's my fault. Somebody had to pay for my sins. Made you think twice about sinning. If something happened every time I did something wrong and somebody had to pay, it might make me think twice. But all of this started back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. Immediately they were naked and they were ashamed, the Bible says. And so God said, I will cover their sin. But he took the blood and he killed the animals and they had skins that way they wore. And immediately somebody had to die. 
Now I know we have we have folks today, and I'm not you know I, I'm I'm not opposed to you know if you want to eat if you're a vegan and you want to eat vegetables and you want to say I, I don't want anything to die, and yet unfortunately you know if you wear leather shoes or if you pick up a leather bound book or if you you know you say well uh, you know and I, I get it I mean you know it's like the, you know the chicken and the pig that were you know talking about you know breakfast and how you know one was total sacrifice and the other one you know just <laughs> gave an egg I get it. It's not easy. I, I understand. And yet, there was something that is to be re understood about redemption. Ephesians, the first chapter, says it like this. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. First Peter says it like this. For as much as you know you were not redeemed with the corruptible things of silver and gold. As silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world that goes back to last Sunday when I talked about the blueprint this was in the blueprint of God but was manifest in these last times for you that's why David repeatedly and new, numerous times in the, in, the, in the Psalms he would say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them sing. Let them worship. Let the redeemed. I thank God I've been redeemed. And in fact, when you read Hebrews, Paul wrote and he sort of includes not only redemption, but he includes remission, which is something that's just a little different from redemption. Redemption is to buy back. Remission is, is, is a whole other animal. But he starts it by saying in Hebrews 9, 22, almost all things by law are purged with blood or redeemed with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission now I know that's hard to understand but when you, when you think in terms of that that's the second part a reason why the blood why, number two is for cleansing it is redemption it's remission, it's purging you see in Exodus the 12th chapter the children of Israel killed a lamb. They took the blood. They dipped it in hyssop. The hyssop in the blood. They put it on the doorpost. Why? Because there was some cleaning that had to happen by the blood. When the death angel passed, he looked at the blood and he passed over the house. They were fixing to exit through the Red Sea, a type of baptism. But the blood had to first be applied before even the waters of baptism. John says it like this, the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses from all sin. David cried, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
What are you saying? I'm saying this purging. I'm saying a cleansing. Oh, thank God for the blood. Not only does he redeem me, but he is able to wash me. He is able to take away all the things that I've done. Thank God for the blood. And then the third, and I, I'm hurrying through these, all of these you could spend uh, an hour, a day, a week and talk about justification. Uh, the next one, it's just like it never happened. So not only, you know, is it to redeem something. I mean, you know, if I, if I, if I lost a dog or I lost something, I might say, okay, I'll put up a, a wanted sign and I, I want to redeem it. I'll, I'll give you $25. I'll give you $50. You find my dog. Bring my dog back to me. Then it's another thing. Once the dog comes back to wash the dog. And then imagine if somehow I could make it justified just like it never happened wow just as if I had never done whatever it is what a powerful thought that the Lord is able to take our past and cover it just like it never happened oh thank God that's why Leviticus has all these legal forgivenesses of my sins and in, in the book of Leviticus but Romans Paul wrote but God commended his love toward us in that while we were sinners Christ died for us verse 9 much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him what a, a, a promise what a privilege and a promise that to say I can be saved from wrath. I can be justified by his blood. You say, well, I, I, I've done wrong. I, you don't know my past. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how. I know, but I can tell you there is something today that can justify you. 2 Corinthians says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a... Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So when you tell me, well, I'm sorry, I wasn't raised that way and I can't do it and I don't understand it and I can't, I'm telling you, you don't understand the power of the blood of Jesus. He's able to justify. He's able to sanctify. And that word sanctification means to set apart, made holy by God. And I know we, you know, we, we use examples and I've, I've taught and preached, you know, we sanctify certain things in our house. You know, my toothbrush is sanctified. It's not the same as the toilet bowl brush. I don't just use them intermittently. Huh? It's sanctified. It's set apart. You know, sorry, maybe you don't do that. But I sanctify some things at my place. I set things apart and say this is going to be used for something special. Huh? You know, okay. Well, guess what? That's what the blood does for us. It sets us apart. I know sometimes folks, you know, at school don't understand and others around you don't. I don't get why you're not, you don't participate. Well, there's just something, I don't want to do it anymore. Why? Because one day I got touched by the blood and the blood sanctified me. The blood changed me. I don't talk the way I used to. I don't talk about the thing. I don't act the way. Why? Because one day the blood touched me and when the blood touched me, I was set apart and I can't do what everybody else does. I can't 
can't go where everybody else goes. You say, well, huh, your religion keeps you. Well, thank the Lord. Thank God something keeps us in this hour. What are you saying? Well, I mean, if you don't understand the principles of sanctification, please, whatever you do, don't bring me any food. Because I don't know what you use your dishes for if you don't understand sanctification. Yes, yes. Huh? Oh, I'm glad I've been sanctified by the blood. Hebrews the 13th chapter says, Wherefore did Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Second Corinthians, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm thankful for the sanctification process that comes with the blood. Don't ever get frustrated when you feel like, you know, the Lord's convicting you about doing certain things. That's the blood trying to work on you a little bit. Oh, the next thing is, of course, <coughs> atonement, being at one meant. You know, you can break that word down. At one meant. Atonement. Life for life. Blood represented the life of something. You know, <coughs> you go through. The Old Testament, Leviticus, the 17th chapter, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. <clears throat> what are you saying? This is why capital punishment and some of these things, when people have done heinous crimes, we say blood for blood, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Somebody's got to step in and pay the price. Oh, for my sins. Jesus did on Calvary. What a privilege. What an amazing feat that he would say, you know what? Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood hath eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. Because I live, he li because he lives, I can live. Because he has, is eternal, I can be eternal. Because I can be at one with him. Oh, I am thankful for the atoning power of the blood. I am thankful for the atoning power of the blood. And I, I know I'm hurrying through this, but intercession, that's another thing that the blood does. In fact, you go all the way back to Genesis, the fourth chapter, and you find that Cain and, uh, killed his brother Abel. And the Bible talks about the Abel's blood crying from the ground. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and, uh, he talks about, uh, Paul wrote in Hebrews 11 and 12, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it, being yet being dead he, he speaketh what are you saying oh by even though he was dead his blood according to the Lord cried from the ground well, and what Paul later begins to say is if the blood of Abel can cry for vengeance from the ground how much greater is the blood of Jesus that cries for mercy from the ground that cries for grace that cries for forgiveness that cries for healing how much greater is that oh you say 
That's why he said in the 12th chapter, I can read it in the Amplified, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, the uniting of God and man, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of mercy, a better, nobler, more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which was cried out for vengeance. I'm so thankful that the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago is still crying out for mercy. Will somebody let this blood touch them? Will somebody let this blood sanctify them? Will somebody let this blood justify them? Thank God for the blood. And then uh, number seven. Brother Nick read the scripture today. Access. Why blood? Access. Access. One time a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies bringing a basin of blood. And then what was curious is he sprinkled the blood seven times. The high priest would go into the Old Testament, this blueprint, this tabernacle, he had a basin of blood. And he would sprinkle the blood seven times on the veil. And, and the Jewish theologians, they don't know what happened. The veil they know was thick, about a foot, foot and a half wide, huge, <coughs> no curtains, no way to draw it back. And so you'll read some Jewish theologians that say that when he sprinkled that blood, if he was accepted, that he just literally passed through the veil. I don't know what happened. Only the high priest knew. But the high priest would go and sprinkle that blood seven times. And you find that in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. You can read it in verse 14. He shall take of the blood of the bullock, sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat. Then he would go in and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat seven times. And then verse 19, he would sprinkle it, the blood of the, upon it with his finger seven times cleanse it and hallow it from all the uncleanness of the children of Israel and I understand you know there was a, the thinking that you know if something happened if he died in there nothing but he couldn't even get in there if he had sin it wasn't a question of him dying in there the veil would not release him to come in because the blood had to be sprinkled seven times. Seven times. Seven times. I know the seven reasons why we have blood. I just went through them. Redemption and, 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 and all of that. Restitution and justification and sanctification. And, but he had to sprinkle it seven times as well. And it gave access. And Brother Nick read the scripture this morning. Where it says in Hebrews the 10th chapter, the 19th through the 22nd verses, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so I begin to think, Lord, and I know I'm not going to be able to get through all these today, but I begin to think, when you shed your blood seven times, you shed your blood seven times, and 
by that blood shed, here we are. First one. Remember when the first one was? When he was in the garden. This began in a garden, Garden of Eden. Jesus took it all the way back to a garden, Garden of Gethsemane. You read it very carefully. He is, <coughs> Luke says, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I know, I've, I've read the medical stuff and they said to him, you're so intense and you are so, you are so stressed, so overwhelmed that you can literally bust the corpuscles in your forehead and begin to sweat blood. You know, we heard sweating bullets, but you can sweat blood because of the intensity of the agony. Jesus felt that kind of intensity. Why? Well, he was in the garden. And you know what he was doing in the garden? He was wrestling the biggest enemy that you will ever have to face. And that's your W-I-L-L. You know what started in a garden? Oh, you can be like God. You can know good and evil. You can do your own thing. You can figure out what's best for you. You can do what's best for you. You don't have to listen to anybody. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to follow. You can just be yourself. I'm sure God understands. He, he, why, he wouldn't have put it there if it wouldn't have been, he, he didn't want you to have some. Huh? Eve said, let me try it. Here, honey, why don't you try it too? Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Don't think for him. He knew what was coming. Right. He knew what was coming. And he knew in his flesh he didn't want to face Calvary. He didn't want to go through the beat. He knew he was going to shed his blood six more times. It was going to be bloody. It was going to be gruesome. It was going to be horrendous pain. It was going to be embarrassing. It was going to be shameful. They were going to spit at him. They were going to make fun of him. They were going to mock him. He was going to watch as his own disciples scattered and left him. He was going to see the agony on his mother's face as she saw what he was going through. He he knew what he was going to happen and he said I just don't want to do it and he prayed and the disciples he thought well maybe I can get some of them to encourage me have you ever been that way you know somebody if I could just have somebody encourage me nobody encouraged him nobody FaceTimed him nobody messaged him nobody tweeted him nobody did anything he was there by himself and he sweat as it were great drops of blood and he got up and he went to see where his disciples were and he found them asleep how you like that all these years you've been talking to them and you've been walking with them and you've been feeding them and you've been doing look at all you've done and they don't even care about you they don't even can't even stay up with you one little hour here it is one hour look at you how dare they? I can't believe they would treat me like that. Oh, I'm sure the will all of a sudden rose up again when he said, ah, come on guys, wake up, get up out of here. Can't you see what I'm going through? 
And he went back and he began to pray. And he wrestled his will. He prayed the second time. And he wrestled his will. And he prayed and he sweat. And it were drops of blood. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But you know what he was doing? He was showing us. I'm going to tell you my blood can help you overcome your will. When your will tries to get you off track. And you say I don't have the willpower. I can't do it. Don't tell me that. Blood was shed in the garden of Gethsemane. Wrestling somebody's will that was greater than mine. I haven't been through the kind of stuff he went through that night. And then all of a sudden in the second hour he came and guess what they were doing? Sleeping again. And he punches at him and he kicks him. What's going on guys? Could you not stay up one hour? And he goes back and he prays the third time. Oh, you think you got a strong will? Huh? His will. He was wrestling his will to the ground. And he was letting blood flow out in the garden. So that I want you to know, not by my might nor by my power, but by his blood. If you want to live for God, I want you to know there is a drop of blood that will touch your will. That will change your wants. It'll say it'll give you the desires of your heart. You can say, oh, I wasn't raised that way. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand what, what's going on. I'm here to tell you blood was shed for you in the garden of Gethsemane that you don't have to tell me how you can't do it if you'll let the blood touch you and justify you and redeem you and buy you back. I'm here to tell you the blood is strong enough. Oh God. When you say I don't get it. I don't get it. Luke he said there in agony he kept praying that was the sweat he went from there and the first thing they did and this was the second thing and I, I'm going to stop after uh, let me see if I can get to oh no I'll, I'll, I'll try to do three at least anyway save a couple for tonight notice what the second one was they spit in his face they buffeted him you know what buffeted means anybody know what buffeted means it means they hit him now, in the Old Testament, Micah actually said they hit him with rods. The New Testament, it says they hit him with the palms of their hands. Wham! All about the face. All about the body. They buffeted. They were beating him. You know what that was doing? wasn't leaving external blood but you know what it was causing if I were to walk up to somebody and just hit them as hard as I could with the palm of my hand you know what that causes bruising internal bleeding wham bam if I hit you with a rod whop you have a mark across your arm huh what happened remember oh there's a mark that left a mark didn't didn't break the skin but man it bruised he went through bruising they spit in his face Micah said this despite the judge of Israel with a rod Isaiah prophesied it 
There was a reason he went through bleeding this way. You remember it? We quoted a lot. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. But he was bruised for those internal things. That's why that blood had to be shed inside for our iniquities. The iniquities is different than the transgression. Oh, I, I took that. I shouldn't have. I made it. I did a transgression. But you know what? The covetousness inside of me that made me take that is the iniquity. You see the difference? I can transgress. That's outward. But guess what the Lord wants to do? He wants to deal with the iniquity, the motive that's in there. Oh, you say, Pastor, I, I just, I got it in my mind, my heart, I can't. I, I don't believe that. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was bruised. Go ahead, Sister Tracy, put up the next one. Here, here it is. The scourging. We, because it's the same verse. Surely he had borne our grief. He had carried our sorrows. We did seem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed the new testament it says were healed why did they have to take a cat of nine tails and beat him 39 times was so that every disease every kind of sickness every kind of affliction could be healed by the blood oh I'm here to tell you I'm thankful that he shed the blood in the garden to help me break my will I'm thankful that he shed the blood whenever he got bruised to stop my transgressions my iniquities that are on the inside but I'm also thankful for by his stripes we were healed there's healing power in the blood of Jesus oh I know I scourging that I sorry we oh let's go on with well you can uh, uh, We'll, we'll finish it. We just got three more. I'll do them quick. Number four, the crown of thorns. He, they put a crown of thorns on his head. Remember that? Number four, they said, here, the crown of thorns. They, they, when God cursed the ground, you know what he was? He cursed the ground back in the garden, and he said, out of the ground are going to grow thorns and thistles. You're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Jesus let those soldiers take a crown of thorns. They brought him to a common hall and they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe and they plaited this crown of thorns and they thought they were shaming him. 
but he knew what was going on. I need that crown because you see, I am going to make it where my people are not going to be tied to work. It's not going to be, I got to work and work and work and work. I'm going to give them rest. I'm going to give them peace. Oh, does that mean they can? Yeah, you have a job, but all of a sudden my life is more than the stuff that I get or what I don't have. All of a sudden I'm taking those thorns that, that, that symbolize toil and symbolize I am going to have to have this. Oh, they mocked him. They thought it was going to be something that was going to be, oh, that this is, this is going to get him. I'm sure I'm telling you that immediately that's why Paul would write in Corinthians, for we know, you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that through his poverty he might be rich. I'm here to tell you because of the blood, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. I don't have to have a million in the bank. I'm still rich. You say, oh, well, yeah, you've got a new car, and you've got a this, and you've got a that. I'm telling you, I've seen folks who didn't have two mites to their name. Just like the widow. Huh? Not two pennies to rub together that came in and they felt like, you know what? God's blessed me. I feel the blessings of God. You know why they can feel so blessed? You know, I, I've been to, I, I preached in Madagascar where, where the mean salary every year is $320 a year. $320 a year where they take you know liter coke bottles and flatten them out and they've got a little in you know liter coke bottle and they, they tie that up and they put a string and that's how they make their shoes they walk miles to church and they're singing the joy of the Lord is my strength oh God's been so good to me and I watch them they, their, their, their money it's like you know if you have a hundred dollars in America it's like you know they give you this satchel of money because their money is worth nothing basically to our money you know and I've watched them so with a smile on their face they'd come and give not to me but give to God and love God eat you know it rained several days they couldn't build a fire to cook on but they would sing all around the campground what are you saying oh they felt blessed I am blessed I am rich I am rich you know when you start feeling like oh I don't like my dog I don't like what I'm going you misunderstood where the blood was shed he took a crown of thorns so that you could wear a crown one of these days oh you're going to walk down a street of gold because he took a crown of thorns that's why Paul said to Corinthians but this I say he that sows sparingly he that sows bountifully let him give not grudgingly I'm not taking up another offering we're done of necessity for God loves a you know why you should be cheerful? He's done so much yes. for me. Yes. 
And I know we've got folks in this church that have kept working and give and they, they want to give. They want to give. Why? They feel not grudgingly. God is able to make all grace abound to you that ye always having all sufficiency in everything may abound into every good work. I'm going to tell you something and I want you to hear it. I, I've told this to my own children. I would rather have one blessing from God than a thousand dollars, than ten thousand, than a million dollars. Yes. How much does a million dollars help you if you're in the hospital fighting COVID? Huh? Oh, I'd rather have one blessing from God. I told my own children, and they're brilliant and all that and wonderful, but I said, I would rather see you being a greeter at Walmart, living for God, than to walk the halls of the courtroom or the school as a psychiatrist. That, that means nothing to me. Eternity's coming. Yes. Eternity's coming. And one day, those soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head. And he said, those thorns that were meant for you to toil and suffer and feel like a, a little gerbil on a hamster on a wheel I'm going to break that you don't have to do that oh sure you could go to work and you can budget and plan a vacation and have nice things but you're not going to be caught to this this world because what you're going to know is this world is I'm just passing through I don't know if I'll be here 50 years, 70 years, 100 years. But one of these days, my treasure is laid up. <laughs> Somewhere. Oh, I can't give. You don't understand. I don't want to be poor. That's why I give. <laughs> Because I want to be rich toward God. <laughs> that is why I give. I don't want to be poor. I, because I want God to know. <laughs> Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I, I, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh.